to another completely normal episode of the Burning Eden Podcast. I am Bath, your favorite smooth, spicy Satanist. Mel? Oh, shit, she left us a video. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, didn't see you there. Hello, oh, I saw you Edens. there. So, as it. you may know, um, my husband and I are getting the fuck out of Florida. So, this is why um, I won't be uh, a co-host for this episode. Um, yes, I have allowed one person, just this once, to bully Bath. I gave them specific instructions. So, don't don't you worry. Bath, um, since I don't trust you uh, picking, you know, your uh, my, my replacement, so to speak, for this episode, I have made you a co-host selector. Um, and hopefully you know how to read, because, you know, we, we all know you don't know how to, because um, there's only just one, one instruction. Push the button. So, hopefully you get somebody cool, you know? Lastly, Sherry, um, to our wonderful guest, I am so, so sorry I can't be there um, to record this episode with you, but know that meeting you at Akon was amazing. You are just a joy and hilarious, and <laughs> I honestly, I cannot wait for this episode. I can't watch, I can't wait to watch this episode. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see you next year, maybe, 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 but um, enjoy Bath, I guess, and uh, the special co-host for this episode. I'm sure it'll be a great time. So, um, yeah, enjoy, enjoy this episode. <laughs> I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Jeff. What's up? You didn't talk about the intro beforehand. That's <laughs> how's it going? When What's I up was with the goodness. dumpster in the back? Are you in an alley? Yeah. Um, as you know, all atheists are angry, homeless, and don't have jobs. So <laughs> so for you, it's just the angry part, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. disheveled <laughs> throughout most of my life and unorganized. <laughs> Without well, Jesus in my life, this is. What <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here. I really do. Um, yeah, of course. For those who don't know, uh, Jeff, the atheist stroll from the interwebs, mostly TikTok. He's probably the first atheist content creator I met, uh, and probably the reason why we're all here. This is all your fault, Jeff. Thank you. I love it. I'm sure that they'll talk about that when I, you know, get to where I'm going. <laughs> Well, help me welcome our guest for today. Her name is Sherry D'Souza, 
and she joins us from the land down under, Australia. G'day. <laughs> Hi. Hello. So good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hell yeah. How are things over there in the future? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, what, 14 hours ahead of you, so <laughs> not much has changed. Florida is still a disaster, and I well understand why Mel's leaving. <laughs> Happy moving, Mel. <laughs> Happy yeah, moving, I, I also appreciate her moving out of Florida <laughs> and passing my house and not saying hi. <laughs> fucking rude. I know, right? I think she's specifically avoiding me. <laughs> well, she might drive by with her middle finger out the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Okay. Uh, before we get to know you, uh, you know what time it is, Jeff. <gasps> Do I? Do you? Well, <laughs> it's, it's time for the Bible verse of the day. Yeah, so per tradition, we would love our guest here to read a Bible verse of the day. What do you have for us? Well, buckle in, everybody. <laughs> I'm not going light and fluffy to start with. Best off. Oh, shit. What is that? New World well, Holy Scriptures? Bible. It, yeah, but... But so as, as your viewers will hear, my background is as a former Jehovah's Witness. So this is the Jehovah's Witness version of the Bible. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. And I am reading from Deuteronomy 19, 15. And uh, this is a little heavy duty, but let's, let's persist. Uh, so it says, no single witness may convict another for any error or any sin that he may commit on the testimony of two witnesses or on the testimony of three witnesses, the matter should be established. Now, if you don't know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses, you're probably wondering why the hell I've picked that scripture. But I have selected that because I want people to know that this religion, this high control group is extremely dangerous and they use that scripture mm -hmm. to basically protect child abusers. So if somebody comes forward with an allegation saying that they've been abused if there is not a second witness they will not do anything god damn it they will say leave the matter in jehovah's hands so that they've expanded it a little bit to include oh if there's a second victim that comes forward then maybe a second victim but that of course requires that there is actually a second victim right what about video or evidence <laughs> Is that a second witness? <laughs> well, if you had evidence like that, I suppose maybe they could actually do something. But uh, right. they also destroy do it. not yeah, destroy it. Mm. Uh, they also do not recommend going to the authorities. So, Oh, great. Mm. Definitely like not a cult. Definitely not, not a cult. No. Yes. So, well, thanks for bringing the mood down, uh, Sherry. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> well, that one. Bible verse of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking gross. Is there really it. any Bible verse of the day that makes you feel better? <laughs> You're asking me that? No, I mean, we <laughs> have here. Uh, oh, they, they, they all suck. <laughs> they, they all suck. Uh, <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a group in my area. So I'm in southern the United States. I'm in Atlanta. And there's a group of predominantly older gentlemen and women that will bust themselves into a neighborhood oh. and then they get out of the bus and they go door to door doing their thing. 
but they're all dressed like they're from the 1940s and 50s and because they're older. And so they came up to my door and I've had some experience with previous Jehovah's Witnesses who told me, just tell them you're an apostate. And so they got to my door. I opened the door. I say, hey, I'm an apostate. And they old people took off running physically no in my house as fast as they possibly could. It was, it was quite entertaining. That is amazing. Yes. I find it interesting that because the word apostasy has such loaded language. It's so heavy with meaning in the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I find it interesting when I come across other groups that also give it the same significance. Right? The Jehovah's Witnesses will call people who are apostates mentally diseased, mm. that you are poisonous and that your intention is only to destroy other people's faith, not to actually enlighten them with what's actually true mm -hmm. but to destroy them and and so yeah you get that reaction it's the worst thing you can do people will react more strongly about the word apostasy than they will about child abuse yeah oh yeah there's, a, there's an analogy that i use for abuse in the church and in in america we have a store called target and target is just like the place you go to buy stuff you have target yeah we do Oh, well, they've infected the island. So anyway, so <laughs> if you went to Target, if you knew that Target had 5% of its population assaulting children, would you continue to shop at Target? Exactly. No, there would be boycotts. There would be mass outrage. There would be, you know, these huge organized events to stop Target and to stop people right. from shopping at Target. Brands and manufacturers would stop selling product to Target or through Target. It would be huge. And that would just be a very small percentage. Right. But the percentage we see in the church, even reported, is higher than 5%. And unreported, who knows, you know, what, what's actually going on. Yet these people continue to give money to these organizations, which is what's crazy to me. Like, you would I'm never shop at Target. That, but I was listening to The Friendly Atheist yesterday, and Hemet was reporting on the recent um, Attorney General's report in Chicago or in mm -hmm. Illinois. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's 10%. 10% yeah. of and known reported. reported. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Amongst Catholic dioceses in Illinois. Unbelievable. Florida has um, a big problem, too, uh, and... So I was recently doing some research on Florida because they have, you know, some litigation that I don't agree with. And, you know, they have a even bigger problem with with multiple different, not just Catholics, but Baptists and other other branches. So it just seems to me the common theme here is don't let your kids go to church. Yeah, totally agree. Fuck For yeah. For many reasons. Mm. Mm. Nice, light, fluffy start. Sorry about that. <laughs> did, you, did you grow up in as a Jehovah's Witness? Were your parents Jehovah's? Third generation. Okay. Okay. Wow. So quite a few. Is so that what was... you normally see in a, in a in a kingdom hall? Is that most of the people there are going to be from families of J Dubs? Yeah, you don't. It's, there's not a high conversion rate, no. <laughs> so mm. it does happen. It does happen, but um, it's not common. Um, so most of the growth is from within. Um, okay. So yeah. You notice that with um, Mormons too. So, like yeah. uh, the mission trips that Mormons do, have a conversion rate less than one tenth of one percent. Yeah. So the purpose of the con like, if you were to have a bake sale at the church, you would have a better conversion rate. The purpose of those <laughs> trips, it has nothing to do with conversion. It has to do with indoctrination. Oh yeah. yeah. And, right. You know, you tell them like, hey, people are not going to like you when you go do this. 
because you are right. And then you go yeah. out to the world. They're angry. They don't like yeah. you. You feel unsettled. You don't feel at home. And then you come back to the church where everybody mm -hmm. welcomes you back. And it's a strengthening exercise in that indoctrination. So That's is there something like that similar for JW? Absolutely. And, and so for, for the J-dubs, you don't have a two-year mission like you do with the Mormons. For Jehovah's Witnesses, you are expected to go preaching your entire life. There is no just set period in your life that you preach. You are, you, this is a little known fact that a lot of people don't know. Jehovah's Witnesses have to turn in a report at the end of each month reporting how much activity they spent preaching during that month. Mm -hmm. and how many hours you spent how many like a quota like selling vehicles yeah. almost like a car yeah. <laughs> how many books how many magazines did you place Holy how many shit. return visits people that you visited regularly how many people did you go back on how many bible studies did you conduct um and you are the the, the social ostracism and pressure within the organization those are criteria that you are judged on so if you are doing less than 10 hours a month and you're not active in the ministry, you are not considered a good spiritual associate within the congregation. And you will mm -hmm. feel the effects of that. You will not be invited to social gatherings and all sorts of things. But right. if you are, um, you know, a go-getter, a spiritual, spiritually-minded person, the way they would say Spiritual go-getter. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, you'll be right in the hub of the congregation and you know part of all of the social events and right for a large part of my life i was in that hub um i got baptized wow. when i was 14. Okay. when i was 16 i left school in year 10 before i completed my high school and i began what was called regular pioneering which was spending 90 hours a month going preaching and i did that for 10 years from 16 to 26. Wow. So I wasn't just raised a J-Dub. I, I sincerely believed it and had drunk the Kool-Aid. And all of those mm -hmm. things that you said, Jeff, the, you know, what you're, you're told, you're going to be hated, you're going to be shunned, you're not going to be accepted, that just doubled down on the ideology. I had to be in the truth because right. of everything I was experiencing. Um, it wasn't until many years later uh, in my early 40s that um, life circumstances had changed and I had started to focus more on my career rather than my life as a witness. And that started to make it possible for me to think and breathe outside of that space. And uh. then slowly I could um, work out that I'd been raised in a cult. Yeah. Holy crap. That's what was what were some of the things that made you realize that? Because in order for somebody who was raised in a cult, they have to first, I guess, be exposed right to the outside, right? Yeah. How did you have that opportunity to do that, and also to allow yourself to ask those questions and question your own beliefs? Because that that is not uh, common, right? <laughs> no, and it and it's not an overnight process, and and it it takes a long time. So I think the shift for me was in my mid-30s, um, my husband and I, we couldn't have children. Mm. And so I felt quite disconnected within the community of Jehovah's Witnesses because mm. I wasn't a pioneer anymore. 
and I wasn't a mother. And so I didn't know where I fit. And so I was quite unsettled. Um, and that's not my nature. My nature is to be fully sort of involved with whatever it is that I'm doing. So I, I made a choice to throw myself into my career. And mm. that meant I was working with a medical practice. So I'd be given the opportunity to become a practice manager. And it was an extraordinary opportunity in a cancer practice. And I, I sort of threw myself into that. But through that, became more exposed to some really good people like these medical professionals surgeons and mm -hmm. um, chemotherapists and radiotherapists who were so genuine they were not about money they were wanting the best outcomes for their patients and awesome. i started to realize you don't have to be a jehovah's witness to be a good person mm. and i also started to notice that you didn't need religion to have a positive view of illness I started to notice that you didn't need God to survive the trauma of a cancer diagnosis yes I, I started to see that people people could be absolutely crushed by the diagnosis with or without religion that really mm. had no bearing on it and and I saw remarkable examples of people who were incredibly strong and positive and they did it without religion. And it's, wow. so that started to really broaden right. my perspective. If they're able to do that without religion, then, you know, what's what's to it, right? What's it? Yeah. Wow, so that's awesome. Okay. They were sort of things that started to chip away until then the, the bigger things started to happen. Um, and the, the really big thing was in 2015, unbeknownst to me, um, my husband had been deconverting but he couldn't tell me. Wow. So he had been deconverting since 2011, 2012, but was playing the game and pretending to be an active witness. Uh, all the while creating an environment at home where it was safe for me to not be as diligent a witness as I had been in my past. So if I'd had a really big day at work and I was just didn't want to go to the meeting that night or I wasn't going to be home in time, he never made me feel guilty for that. He was just, you know, that's okay. Take it easy. No problem. He never judged me. Never made me feel guilty. He made it safe at that's home. That's nice. Yeah. So in 2015, when um, he he runs a small business and we were employing a witness girl at the time, when she fossicked around on his computer and discovered that he was still logged in to an ex-Jehovah's Witness forum, Drama. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, da, da, da. Da, da, da. she went no, snooping. She went. She went snooping, and then she went straight to the elders and told the elders. No way! I want to say a word, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day, she <laughs> rang up and told us that she would have to resign; that she couldn't work with us anymore. Mm -hmm. Sasha and I are both in the car when this happens, and I'm like, "Why?" And Sasha's like, why? And she says, you know why, to Sasha. Ooh. And then says, I've got to go, and hangs up. And so yeah. I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, throughout the course of that afternoon, Sasha eventually gets in contact with her father, who's one of the elders in the congregation. And he uh. says to Sasha, oh, we had an emergency meeting about you this morning. We're all so devastated and upset. 
you've been on apostate websites. And Sasha then had to tell me that that's why she'd resigned. And now the elders knew. And my goodness, the witch hunt was then on for young and old. The elders wanted to call him to a judicial committee, which we both knew if Sasha attended that, he'd be disfellowshipped. And if he was disfellowshipped, then it was going to be a massive thing. All of a sudden, I'd be going wow. to meetings by myself. It, it, I didn't know how to take this information. We had such a difficult weekend. I didn't know what this meant. I was asking Sasha a lot of questions. You know, what do you, okay, if, do you not believe the Jehovah's Witnesses anymore? And if you don't believe that, do you not believe in the Bible? What do you think about God? And Sasha was trying to be as honest as he could without terrifying me. Yeah. But it became clear that he had serious doubts about the Bible. He had serious doubts about God. Wow. I'm suddenly realizing not only is my husband apostate, he's an atheist. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And so this all happened in 2015. Tough. Yeah, June 2015, over wow. a, a weekend. Um, that's about the and, same and time I deconverted was in 2015. Was it really? It was wow. more like uh, February. Right. And what was your background, Jeff? Uh, I was Catholic. So my family is Czechoslovakian. Right. And so they all come from Czechoslovakia. And you mean Czech Republic? And uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So they're all from the Czechs. So my, they're all heavy Catholic. So like my grandparents wow. were like the kind that read the rosary every night had their prayer books, like wow. all that. And I remember I at the time I was living in Denver and I had a fiance. We didn't end up getting married, but we're, you know, it was good reasons. But anyway, so I'm in the bathtub and she's in the room and we were talking about something and she just kind of like looked down and I was like, what's up? And she's like, I don't, I don't really like the, the God thing. Like, I don't really believe in that. And it was like something await on her. And for me, I really like uh, trusted her and like looked up to her. Like I, I thought she was smarter than me. And so I looked to her for a lot of decisions and things like that. And so when she said that, it was kind of like for me, I could either like shun her and say, well, she's an idiot. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Or at that time I was at a position where I was like, well, maybe she, you know, maybe there's something to this. Right. Maybe I need to look into it. And that was about the same time as that Bill Nye Ken Ham debate. Right. And so I love Bill Nye. So I watched that debate. And then from there, it was like, I need to do some research. Whoa. And every single book I've read from that point on, be it a Christian book or, you know, a book from someone else has been nothing more than like eye opening. Every mm. single thing that I've looked into, nothing adds up at that point. <laughs> so I couldn't go back. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, it's like a kid learning how a magic show works. I can't exactly. go back and like the magic show. I know how the rabbit comes out of the hat. Like it, it just doesn't work. And um, I wish more non-believers understood that it's not a conscious decision. Uh, it's just like that. Once you know how a magician cuts somebody in half, I can't go to another magic show and pretend that I, you know, that I'm amazed. And it doesn't matter if that magic shows in Saudi Arabia, Australia, yeah. wherever. It doesn't matter what brand of religion it is or brand of magic. It's the same thing. You know, we <laughs> I love that. that. 
and and that's I, where I can relate to that, Jeff. I yeah. understand that because I um I wonder if if this will resonate with you as well. In the in the first, I, I'm jumping a little bit ahead in the story, but once totally. I finally realize it, it isn't true. I spent like the first two years trying to understand and work out how I'd gotten to this point. Like what? how how could I have not seen this before? How mm-hmm. what, what and and so you just go back over analyzing. I realized that when you're that indoctrinated, you you do not know how to think critically. It's just not taught Correct. at all. Yep. I, even the word, mm-hmm. even those words, critical thinking, because just like apostasy, they have a different way of understanding the word critical. They do not see that as a positive thing. That is negative. You are critiquing negatively, right? So critical thinking, independent thinking is completely, oh, no, 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 no. You don't, why do you want independent thought from God? Why do you want to think critically? You don't want to do that. You don't want to critique the organization and what you're being told. So you shy away from that. You don't do anything. You just take what you're force fed. But like with the magic trick, now if I look at the material, now if I look at the Watchtower, the way the propaganda screams at me. Yes. I can just, I can see that the fallacies. I can see what they're doing, how they're gaslighting people, how the the way they've they've worded things, and it's they're masters at it. Mm-hmm. They really are masters, and they keep these people so controlled. Yep. They do a very good job of, and that's where it's getting more difficult for them because mm-hmm. in previous generations, like uh, my grandparents, for example, grew up in a small town in Czechoslovakia. Then they mm-hmm. moved to the U.S. in another small town, which was all Catholic. So they never, right. really, they never dated outside their zip code. You right. know, they never really, you know, they didn't have the internet. They had the TV. Right. Yeah, but it was really easy to hold them onto that. Whereas today. It's not too hard to, to, you know, get in contact or look something up. And I can technology. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember when I was religious, um, there used to be a website and I forget what it was called, but basically it was like, click a button, go to a random website, you know, like, like you could Hmm. entertain yourself. If you were a board, you could just click through websites and it might be like really cool photography pictures. It might be infographics. It might be funny videos, whatever. Anyway, I get to this one and it's about the Bible. And mm. I'm starting to like read it and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is interesting. And then I realized that it's showing all of the parallels of the Bible to other stories and where they came from. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, ah, like yeah, got to get off of this immediately. Like that was the, the, the like shock collar reaction to yes. anything that might possibly be, you know, dangerous. Yep. And, and that's kind of how you avoid the, the questions. You know, if I had a question right. pop up in my head, it was like, don't think about that. You know, like yeah. that's, you're not allowed to think about that. But yeah. you internalize that control and you control yourself. You're policing yeah, you your do. own right. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So exactly. that was, you know, that getting out of it, as I'm sure you did, you know, like as an adult leaving, because I was 27, 28 ish when I started. And it was so difficult to, as an adult, find ways to deal with things mm, because mm-hmm. again, prayer doesn't work anymore. Like that's no. not a, it's not right. a thing. It, you know, I know right. that it's not working. So how do I deal with my own problems? And so I know that you, you know, work with uh, recovering from religion yes. and okay. they have some really good tools. And I really wish I had known about 
you know, right. recovering from religion earlier in my deconversion journey, because that would have really helped therapy would have been great uh, earlier. But the very first therapist I go to, uh, which, which baffle, remember this. So like when I first came onto TikTok, I was making videos about multiple religions, mm -hmm. uh, but specifically Islam took offense to, to me. And no. so, yeah. So there, I'm getting like, I'm getting like threats daily from, oh from God. kids in some other country, you know, like wherever. Like Malaysia kids, literal and, kids. Yeah. Kids are threatening me. So, I mean, this piles on, you know, we're talking maybe 50 to hundred a week of just like random messages. So I want to, you know, I'm going to talk with somebody about this. So I go through my employer in America because we don't have good insurance. So I have to yep. go through my employer to get insurance, to get therapy, which I still have to pay for. And then I choose from a list and uh, the lady I go see the very first visit, I realized that she's Muslim. Oh no. And so like, no I'm not going to way. tell her these problems. So that's when my search came up. And I found Recovering from Religion, and I found the um, Secular Therapy Project. Yep. And they got me in touch with a lady that lives near me. And she's been fantastic. And she's um, uh, United Methodist. She used to be United Methodist and grew up in that. So she gets it. And, I mean, six months of therapy was enough to give me, like, the tools for meditation, for thought process. Love get it. rid of the self-blame that I had yes. and the guilt yes. that you know, I had for yes. that stuff. So it was a fantastic tool. So I really wish more people knew about those two organizations in particular because they do such great work. Oh, absolutely. I, I have to say I was drawn to recovering from religion because of my experience, because I recognized there was nothing here in Australia. And it was so hard to try to work out what I needed to do and who I could talk to. I didn't talk to anyone at work mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, it must have been about 18 months. Wow. I didn't tell them Oof. because I just thought it's just religion. They won't understand how much that's impacting on me. Um, mm -hmm. Even telling my GP, my general practitioner, to then get a referral to a psychologist was a really difficult thing to do, particularly because she's religious. Mm -hmm. And and Christian and I thought oh, I'm not sure she's gonna get it and there was a bit of reserve from her but she she gave me the referral and and she's been fine but I I know it's an area we don't really dig into but my first therapist um also religious and I think she found my because I was enraged mm. <laughs> that those first few months of realizing. I just, I, I was so incensed at having been lied to and having been controlled and manipulated. And yeah. I had this overwhelming sense of loss, that I had lost so much potential, that my life could be so yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, because, regret. And that, that was taken away from You probably me. felt duped also. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was so angry. And so this therapist, I think, was challenged by my anger. Mm. And she, after about the third session, she said to me, I'd like you to go away and think about three positive things from being raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Oh. Uh -huh. And I found that quite affronting yeah. to do. And But I tried. When I went back the next visit, she was like, how did you go? I said, there's nothing positive. 
<laughs> Sorry, there is nothing positive. I was there not in the right space, Baff, to, to think about anything positive. It was too soon for yeah. me to even think about that, right? And she's right. like, well, let's think about it. You were raised to have good morals. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm raised to have good morals, to judge everybody else that doesn't fit into the same mould, right? Yeah, conditions apply, Baff. Exactly, right? <laughs> so no, I can't. I can't like anyone who's gay or trans or, you know, don't accept them, just judge them, anyone yeah. different from you, right? That's good morals. Awesome. Right. So she went, okay, <laughs> um, you were trained to have a volunteer spirit because she knew I'd done all this volunteer work. And I'm like, yeah, right. But you can only volunteer for the Jehovah's Witnesses. You can't volunteer for anyone else because they're all right. going to be destroyed at Armageddon. And they're not supporting God's kingdom. And they're all worldly and under Satan's control. So why would you support them? So, yeah, I was raised to have a volunteer spirit. I was a little aggressive. A little I, aggressive. I don't think they understand that anger, though. Like, that yeah. that comes from a genuine place. Like, mm -hmm. I, I spent my entire youth avoiding women mm. because I was so concerned that if I had premarital sex, that that instantly said hell. Like I would absolutely. So I can't tell wow. you how many relationships that I did not forego or how many women that I, you know, ignored or, you know, actively avoided just because of that thought process until I was like in my mid twenties, you know? So uh, I have a lot of uh, anger towards, you know, making those decisions that someone made for me as a young right. adult, rather than, you know, learning things in, uh, like I think I, I did not gain relationship skills, communication skills, things like that, that I should have had by, by the time I was 25. Absolutely. Oh, wow. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it does another way religion fucks with your life. Yay. Sure does. Sure does. I did find a different therapist a while later, and he okay. was brilliant. Nice. So good. I saw him for about three years, and just had such an evidence-based approach Fantastic. of behavioral therapy. Like, and he would give me homework to do. After the very first yeah. session, he said, I want you to go home and research post-traumatic growth. Mm. And I had never heard the term before. We'd, we'd all growth. heard of post-traumatic disorder, but stress disorder, but not post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. But post-traumatic growth is amazing. It, it, it is about how you can harness all of that that energy but launch yourself and propel yourself forward from that mm -hmm. so that you are not held captive by that trauma but you are actually growing from it love it it's so positive i i just love that i really love that so and that that really was the type of um style or skill set that he had that was just brilliant um so yeah, so that I love it. Between the secular therapy project and recovering from religion, that then was uh, got to bring that here to Australia and help others because there are so many others here. Even though Australia is becoming uh, more secular, more people are turning away from religion in droves. Mm -hmm. um, the harms that religion has caused, people need so much support. So we've got four, well, nearly soon to be four support groups. Um, nice. 
yeah, so it, we're, we're growing it, getting further along in, in making people be more aware of what we're offering. We've got a lot of work to do at the Secular Therapy Project and getting more psychologists on board with that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. As many people as possible need to know about those services and that we're here to help them, not to tell them what to think, not to tell yeah. them no. what conclusion to come to, it, you, but to empower and enable you to find the resources work out how to make those decisions for yourself. Yeah, it's it's uh, for me, it was like uh, being trapped in a room and only having the resources in that room to help you and not mm -hmm. realizing there are other places you can go to get better resources and I can choose where I wanna get those better resources from. It's not like, you know, you're not moving from one room to another and saying, okay, now here's your only resources. Like you, now, yeah. you went from, from this group of people to this group of people. So, um, and there's really not a, there's a negative stereotype to people needing therapy, which I think is just not accurate. I guess if you break your bone, you go see a doctor. If you, you know, need medication because you have a, a, a problem in your body, you go see a doctor. If you have, uh, you know, you're dealing with struggles in your mind, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's like, no, you go see a doctor when you have, you know, those problems. That's and, also religion. Yeah. Stigmatizing, that, you know, yeah, men, he, mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the uh, go pray about it solution, I think we have realized is not going to solve any problems. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as people want to say that religion is loving and caring and you know all this other stuff, it really is just a stop holder, placeholder in the place of better solutions that we have. And it stops people from seeking those better solutions and just deal with it. You know, just yeah. just just deal with the problems instead of, you know, going and finding accurate solutions. Yeah. I totally agree. It's it's just um, so incredibly harmful. Hey, one of the scriptures that I was tossing up mentioning Beth um, in 2 Corinthians, because I find this a really harmful thing on mental health. And I'd Second like to spin that. Instead of saying mental illness, can we say mental health? Because we all have mental health. Yeah. And sometimes we might have poor mental health and need a little bit of assistance and help. And other times we might be managing our mental health okay. It's no different than physical health. I think there's a lot of negativity over the word illness. But anyway, I'll get no, off I the agree. <laughs> um, one of the concepts amongst the Jehovah's Witnesses is the whole grace concept. Mm -hmm. They do not use the word grace. Oh. Really? No, it is undeserved kindness. Okay. Oh, please. God, what? Right? Now think about what that does to you when you are grown up, you grow up in that environment where you are told that it is only by God's undeserved kindness that you have the possibility of any kind of redemption or any kind of hope for the future. You can never, ever earn it. You are always worthless. Great. Yeah, your self-esteem is right. Really yeah. healthy messaging. Yeah, your self-esteem is, you know, on the ground. And you wonder why in so many Jehovah's Witness congregations, people are on antidepressants. So mm. many. Or there are huge issues with alcohol. Yes. I thought they didn't do medication. Are they they're, they're not I know what they're anti blood transfusions? Yes. But are. not anti medication? No. See, I, don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> I, I, I completely get from a Christian mindset. So I, I had a video on TikTok the other day where this girl was doing a cringe talk 
which is, you know, like super cringy religious stuff in which she basically had a video that was saying she couldn't wait to die because she knew she was going to heaven. And I understand that from a religious standpoint. I get it. Like, I understand the mentality there, but they don't act that way. Because right. if I truly believe that I was going to heaven, I'm not taking medication. I'm not wearing a seatbelt. Why yeah. would like if, if someone got a cancer diagnosis and they're Christian from you, they should be going, thank you very much. I'll be on my way home to die now because mm -hmm. I, why would I take chemotherapy to solve this problem and prevent myself from getting to heaven? It doesn't make sense to me, except mm -hmm. for the fact they don't truly believe it. They're not 100% there. They still have doubt in their mind. And so they want to, they understand that the life on earth is important. And, and that's why, because there's no reason to take medication or wear a seatbelt. Like, I, I don't understand. Right. They're like blood transfusions, like, you know, same thing in my case, or in my mind, is medication. But, you know, well, I, I, I don't agree. know why you can't have, why can't you have blood transfusions? Yeah. I, why? <laughs> okay. Okay. Funny you should ask. <laughs> um, they're Bible literalists. So they take mm -hmm. the Bible extremely literally. Oh, mm. but we're selective about what we take literally. Except for certain parts. Except yeah. for certain parts, sorry. But for this part, we're going to be very literal. Um, same as the two witnesses were, right? We're literal with that too. Yeah. So with blood, um, they believe that blood is, is sacred to God, that it's – and when I say God, I'm talking Jehovah, not Jesus. They don't believe in a trinity, right? So Jehovah is almighty God. Jesus is God's son. They're separate individuals completely okay. from one another, right? Christ comes down to give his life. His blood is the redeeming, life-saving thing. So mm -hmm. blood takes on this whole other... Magic blood. ...significance, yeah, to them, right? So then when you have scriptures like Acts 15, 28 and 29, mm -hmm. where you've got the apostles of the day saying that... These are the things that you can't do. Sacrifice to idols, fornication, abstain from blood is mentioned in that. Now, oh. the, context, the context is they were talking about eating blood because there was no medicinal use of blood in those days. It was, they, they hadn't even got to bloodletting. That wasn't kind of come till centuries later. They were talking about eating blood. But the witnesses okay. truly. And but they, they say, meat? well, no, they will eat meat as long as it's bled completely. It has to be. So bled. like kosher, right? Kind of, but, you Florida? know, so they don't eat blood sausage or um, black pudding, or if I've got those two mixed up. So like well-done steaks? That's a <laughs> yeah, that, right. that should be illegal. I know. I know. So this is what I mean. It, it's so, but, oh. Like so, God's going to sit there and be like, hey, look, you're a great person. You, you had a drop of blood fall in your mouth on July 3rd. <laughs> You're going to hell. <laughs> so, what well, the fuck? Say, um, they don't believe in hell either. Oh, yeah, what? annihilation. You get annihilated. You get annihilated, and it's just complete obliteration, right? So, I'm okay with that, actually. I would yeah, prefer that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so interesting. I used yeah, to have a big fear of infinity. So like uh -huh. when I was you know, growing up religious, I can remember being like eight or nine years old and thinking about the concept of heaven. And this is what someone told me that really like fucked with my head was they said that infinity, uh, imagine the sun is made out of bra brass and it's a huge brass sphere. 
Okay. And every 1,000 years, a dove comes down and just slightly brushes the top of that brass. By the time that brass is ground to nothing, that's when infinity starts. <laughs> and I was like, as a kid, I'm like, wait a minute. So you tell me there's another day and another day and another, like this never ends. I can't escape this. Like, even if I'm in heaven, I don't want to be there forever. Yeah. Like that just, it doesn't sound good. So annihilation sounds better to me. Yeah, do Jehovah's believe in heaven? <laughs> uh, yeah, they do. Okay. Um, but the concept is is different. So they believe that 144,000, again, literal. Um, go uh. and But they go for specific a purpose, right? They are mm. part of God's kingdom. They serve as kings and priests with Christ. And that the whole purpose of God's kingdom is a new governmental arrangement that will rule over earth. So oh, it is sure. two-tier Christianity. It's two-tier. You have this select group that are going to heaven and then everybody else, the great crowd, survive Armageddon and stay on the planet, on earth, but they're going to live forever and they're going to bring the earth back to paradise to the way it was supposed to be with Adam and Eve if they hadn't stuffed up in the Garden of Eden. Now, when you say that, how do you feel that you actually used to believe this? I know. And, you know, the other thing is I... I've done a few interviews now and I sort of watch myself go through this process. Right, right. And I it's surreal, right? It's part of my brain that I just sort of slip into the witness mode and start spewing out of my mouth all of these teachings and words. Wow. Inside I'm like, oh my God. Like it just so repulses me now. Because of not it's not just the concept or the idea or the teaching, it's it's what it does to people. It's right. the, it's the fact that for so many years I hoped for this world's destruction. I prayed for this world to be destroyed and everyone yeah. on it so that I could be on this paradise in the future. And I would just Yeah. Well hopefully the, this conversation wow. is not too triggering for you. And I'm sorry <laughs> if it's like causing some type of re-traumatization for you. I apologize. Uh, no, you're not... right, Beth. I've done I think the, the only, yeah. so the, there was a guy that I was talking with back, you know, years ago when I was starting my deconversion stuff. And he was a kid whose parents, aunts, uncles, all that were all J-dubs. And he wasn't, he hated it. He hated mm -hmm. it more than anything in the world. And he, and I was like, why, like, what's so bad? And he's like, well, they have these meetings. Mm -hmm. And these meetings are so boring. And I'm like, well, let me like, in, at this time it was like COVID time. So they were all on zoom. So I'm like, send me the, send me you the joined one. No yeah. way. So uh, I get in and it is so boring. Like think of like death by PowerPoint, but also, <laughs> <laughs> but also like a 10 year old made the PowerPoint and they're explaining their favorite book. You know, like that's oh basically God. what it's like. And everything was like super organized to where it's like, you can't talk out of turn. You were going to wait. Right. Yeah. You, you, this person's going to talk and you're going to listen and you better be paying attention. And like, you know, all the, like these stages. So there was no trolling potential for me. So I couldn't really be there very long, <laughs> but it was so boring. And I could just imagine it reminds me of like Sunday school when I was in Catholic church. Uh, but even that, which was boring, does not hold a light to J-Dub meetings like they are absolutely mm. for the experience i had super boring like i could not imagine as a kid going to those meetings jeez hey, but jeff when i was at my most religious 
um, I would have pushed back strenuously on the notion of it being boring because I was so heavily involved and because so there were five meetings a week and Jeez. you had to be prepared for each one of those meetings. So I yeah. would pre-study for the meeting. Yeah. Holy right? shit. I've got books upstairs. I've kept them of, um, I don't have any handy, um, <laughs> where I have written in the margins and I've underlined points and I've got highlighters and all sorts of stuff. Wow. And I used to enjoy doing extra research to find some other little nugget of information that I could bring out to everybody else. Right. And now and then I'd find something. Most times I wouldn't. It, it was a lot of rehash, right? But that rehashing, you just, it, that's part of the indoctrination. It's just this constant yes. drip feed grounding in the same thoughts and you are doing it to yourself. Wow. Well, what would you say to somebody that's like in that position now that's watching this video? Someone like yourself when you were still there. I don't know if there is anything that you could say to someone that is that in. The only thing I can say that I think makes any shred of difference is to be very kind and non-judgmental. That's at AA after we did the food packing mm -hmm. there were witnesses at carts i don't know if you went and yes every time we went to lunch or breakfast there were they were starting in each corner with their sign and their little pamphlet things yeah, i would just no, I, I, never, I never talked to them though i, I i'm an apostate yeah. <laughs> over here we're all apostates <laughs> leave now bye-bye this is the ex-jehovah yeah, apostate convention apostate oh we could have said that oh it's the magic word they it called me one time word. on my not to take away from your story but they called yeah. me on my phone during my lunch what? break no way yeah and so they're like hey this is such and such calling from whatever and i'm like i'm an apostate and you hear like <laughs> like, like they juggled the phone as fast as they could. They were writing hand, like I have handwritten letters from them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they couldn't go door to door because right. of the and and you've got to fill in that report slip at the end of the month somehow. Mm. So what else are you going to do? And that's why it was handwritten because handwriting takes longer than printing mm. on things. So wow, there you go. Um, but anyway, I knew the witnesses were there at Phoenix. America. Well, they weren't there for the convention. They just it just happened to be they were standing outside the American Atheist Convention, which was hysterical. Um, <laughs> but after the Sunday, after the food packing, and we'd gone out for lunch on the way back, I'm like, I think I'm going to go and talk to them. Oh. And so it's quite funny because when I went to talk to them, I had with me Daryl Ray, <laughs> Gail and Glenda <laughs> Jordan. Yes. Dave Clingy, so these ones from Recovering from Religion. Yes. Andrew Seidel was there as well. Nice. Right. I've got my posse with me, hey? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Strutting down the street. Just, mm, I, thought, I, I don't want to argue with them, and I want them to realize that I'm coming from a genuine and honest place. Right. Without telling them that I'm an apostate. So there was a little bit of theocratic warfare in there. Um, right. But at the end, I closed it. There was one one lady there who, sorry, I should start from the top. When I went up to them, I said, we've just done, American Atheists are here, I'm sure you know that by now, we've just packed 25,000 meals for the homeless. 
and had an outrageous time doing it. It was great fun, but really felt fantastic to help people. What work do you do to help the community? Boom. And they said, oh, well, um, we do disaster relief. And I said, oh, yes, I've been onto your website, but your disaster relief is limited to other Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not asking about how you support your own. I'm asking how you support people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses. And so then they were like, oh, well, you know, we try to teach them about the Bible and blah, 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 and, and through their education, right, and, through te- and, and I'm like, that does no good if people are starving. If people mm-hmm. need food, even Christ did that. Even Christ fed the people before he taught them. He realized mm-hmm. there's no good teaching them when they've got an empty stomach. So we started to have this conversation. I eventually got it around to child abuse because that's what I really wanted to talk about. But in the end, there were two women and one man there. And the two women, I, I didn't want I didn't want to leave them thinking I was just argumentative and all the rest of it. So I was very kind and one of them I could see she was very indoctrinated. She'd clearly been raised a witness, but the other one, I had words with her afterwards and she admitted that she converted. And she circled back to my original question and told me that she was a school teacher in a special needs school and that she oh. took lunches with her to school for some of the children that she knew weren't getting enough food. That's nice of her. And then she said to me that she was doing this work standing in a cart because she truly believed that it was helping people and that she wouldn't be committing her time. And all I said to her was, I can understand that this is not easy work and I can see you're sincere. And thank you so much for talking to me. We ended up giving each other a hug. And I like to think that that kindness, that that I raised questions, but at the end, I don't hate you. I see you as another human being. I want the best for you. I want to tell you you're in a cult, but you can't. Yeah, right, right, right. It's all you can do, I think. She's like the opposite of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you should watch his lives. Oh. Well, they're painful. I don't get a whole lot of J-dubs. But it's uh, interesting. That's a very unique approach. It is. Um, I think, th- and that's the one thing that um, I think atheists or non- non-religious people need to understand why it's important to be vocal about this is because every single Christian, especially in our area in America, we have the freaking name on currency. It's on you know buildings. Like They're talking about it every san- everywhere they can. And yep. I think a lot of people who are non-religious do good things without the expectation of being notarized. Right. So they don't talk about it. And that gives these people like this it, it, a wild advantage. And I'm not saying that atheists need to go out on the street corner and start telling people things or anything like that. But saying that you don't believe stuff is not a negative thing. Like it's, it's okay. And I think when you realize that there are so many other people around you that share that same kind of thought process, it makes it a lot easier. You're not walking on eggshells or afraid that you're going to upset people or like, you know, the the Christian mafia is going to come after you if you say the wrong thing, you know, or, or whatever. 
So that, that, and good people do good things. Uh, the question that I ask, so my mom will say that she's, you know, Catholic and she volunteers for a, uh, like a thrift store kind of thing. And I'll say to my mom, like you, would you still do that if you didn't go to church? Like if you weren't Catholic, would you still help these people? She said, yes. I'm like, okay, well then the church is just taking credit for what you're doing. Like, <laughs> no, you, you would have done these things anyway, but right. you're allowing the church to get credit for what you're doing. So good people do good things, you know, and they may be from all kinds of different faiths or no faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think we see evidence of that when there are um, disasters, when things happen. It's it's a human, um, I suppose, a natural human response to want yeah. to help other people in pain. Like during the bushfires 2019, 2020 here in Australia, it was just a horrific time. Everybody was, it was just horrible. But, but the, the community came together and helped one another. There were food drives and clothing drives and just, just you could feel it palpably when you were in the shopping centre, that everybody was just, how are you? Are you okay? Checking in with one another. At our essence, at our core, we see each other and we want to be there or help one another. We have good intentions to one another regardless of, Mm -hmm. religious belief or right. background or creed or anything like that it just it's a shame that it takes things like that to bring it to the fore now i remember there i can't remember if it was j-dubs or mormons or some other religion so i don't want to say which one it is because i don't remember but they put oh yeah we did relief efforts after katrina in oh. america you know when katrina happened and i was like oh okay then you look into it and what they did is they went to louisiana and handed out pamphlets about their religion God damn it. That was their relief effort. Jesus. And so they're taking credit for, you know, going and handing out pamphlets. And they took pictures, of course, of them, you know, out oh, there, you know, like, you best, like helping people and stuff like that. But what they, they were really doing is it was, it, it had the intention was not to help people. The intention is to convert oh, or absolutely. to, you know, get goodwill with the community yeah. because of that. And that's why, like, you know, I do. I don't really talk about like the organizations I donate money to or what I do, but it is very fun to be working at a volunteer effort mm -hmm. and someone say something to you like, God bless, or, you know, thanks for coming by Jesus, this, and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not religious. And then their face is just like, well, why are you here? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can do good These without believing in God. I'm, yeah. I'm not here for you. I'm not here for, the book club like i'm here because <laughs> there's people here and they need something and i can provide that to them like that's yes that's the reason so isn't uh, it nice when there's no agenda yeah it's amazing it's so it's, much it's, it's no like walking up to a stranger's door because i have to place magazines or i've got to try to convince them that our view of the bible is correct right you are constantly double thinking your brain has gone 100 miles an hour. You're not really listening to what the other person's saying. You're thinking about what scripture right. can I use? How can I get in here? Because you've got mm -hmm. this agenda. To now be on the other side of it and to do things for people where I have no personal agenda. Yeah. I just want to be there for the other person. Like when we're running right. support groups for recovering from religion, it's got nothing to do with me at all. Yeah. I'm just completely focused on the other person trying to hear their story and give them space so that they can work through what they need to work through it is so much more fulfilling and satisfying 
than mm-hmm. any of the work that I thought I was doing. You mean you don't have a quota? <laughs> no, quota, and there's no hourly allotment, and I don't have to put a report in or anything like that. My goodness, shocking! So, how did you approach recovering from religion? How did it all start? Because you're in Australia over there. Yeah, so it started because now you're on the board, right? You're on the board. Of yeah, recovering? I am on the board. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah, that's what, um, <laughs> so after I, I. After what happened with Sasha happened and we stopped attending the meetings, it was another 18 months before I finally had the courage to critically analyse the religion and realise it was all bullshit. Um, And that happened when I read the uh, Australian Royal Commission report into institutional response to child sexual abuse. And okay. the Jehovah's Witnesses had been investigated. Case study 29 was 110 pages of a shocking read where mm-hmm. I learned that, so 26 million people in Australia, Jehovah's Witnesses are about 68,000 people, members in that okay. population. Okay. The Royal Commission found that from 1950 up until 2013, the Jehovah's Witnesses were keeping records of 1,006 allegations of child abuse affecting over 1,800 children and not one had been reported to the police. Damn. Why are they keeping records? (laughs) Yeah, what's up with that? Oh, because they do keep records about everything. Huh. Well, I guess that's good for us. Well, yes, except now they have been instructing elders to destroy notes. So, uh, in essence, yeah. destroy evidence. This is so sick. I fucking um, hate it. There's been a lot of cases in the States, particularly, where that's been the case. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. This, this is a whole can of worms, the whole subject. But reading that report, that was the Band-Aid ripoff of if they're guilty of that, they cannot possibly be the truth. Nope. That, and because I knew one of the cases... I didn't realise, as I was reading the report, I recognised the details of one of the cases. I knew the elders involved, I knew the circuit overseer, I knew a few of the individuals, and to see what had happened behind the scenes, I was just disgusted. And so then it was a very um, quick deconversion from there. In 2018, I start to speak out, and I start to do a few interviews, and Mm. Sasha does as well, in 2019, we decide we want to do something to help the ex-witness community here in Australia. And so we put on an event in June 2019. Wow. And we get um, quite a few of the ex-witness activists around the world to come along. Mm. So Mark O'Donnell from Maryland, um, from Baltimore. Um, we had Lloyd Evans come from Croatia. We had... Wow. Um, very international. Cliff, yeah, it was international. We had Cliff come from Cliff Henderson, Cliff the Fifth come from San Francisco, and we had a film crew come from Los Angeles who were filming for a documentary. Um, so we had witnesses come from all over Australia and New Zealand. We had 134 people come. Nice. And my greatest accomplishment was that we got the senior counsel from the Royal Commission. Angus Stewart to come along to that event. And he, at the time, he's now a federal justice. And he came along for this afternoon and 
it was just wonderful. It gave mm -hmm. people the opportunity to thank him for how much work they, I mean, he got to grill a governing body member on the stand. It was sensational. Wow. He really held them to task um, over their shocking policies. So after that 2019 event, it was just such a, a huge thing. I was like, what next? Mm -hmm. What do we do now to help people? What, what more can we do? And out of that event, I'd had a heap of people come up to us and say, look, if other witnesses, ex-witnesses reach out and they need help and assistance, here's my email address, here's my phone number, I'm happy to help. You built a community. Look at you. That's fucking well, awesome. I had six email addresses and I'm like, yeah. what am I going to do with this? How do I organize this? How do I? And then because of my career in health, I'm like, oh, I'm going to need privacy. And then there's data collection. And oh, my goodness. I started to spin out over what this might look like. And I spoke to my good friend, ex-witness in Denver, Shanna Rubio, and said, I don't know what to do with this. This, How do I? And she is on the board for recovering from religion. Ah, okay. And she says, you need to talk to Daryl Ray. Nice. And so we organised a conversation and I told Daryl about what I was thinking of doing. And he's like, well, look, we do this, this and this. We've, we've got a helpline, got an online chat, we've got support groups, we've got the policies and procedures in place already, we've got the training, we've got the volunteer support mechanisms, we've got all of the things that you're looking for. I'm not precious about it. Why don't you join Recovering from Religion? Do what you want to do. And so That's cool. I went through the volunteer process and part of the volunteer process is reading all of the policies and procedures, understanding what is required as a volunteer, understanding what you expect of them as an organisation to support you. I'm like, oh, this is ticking all the boxes. I'm, mm -hmm. This is great. Everything is there. You go through the interview process and then you're trained to do whatever it is that you pick and um, I go for support groups. And um, then we start the first support group in April 2020, just as everything got shut down. Um, but it, it, it has given me the vehicle to do what I have wanted to do, which is provide hope, healing and support to people struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. That's the mission of recovering from religion. Mm -hmm. But it's also allowed me space to heal because I'm hearing stories not about ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm hearing from Mormons and Mennonites mm -hmm. and ultra-Orthodox Jews and Muslims and Catholics and Anglicans and Hillsong and so many different people. And it's helping me put my life story into perspective. It's helping me have a healthier view of it all. Love it. It it has just been so incredibly rewarding. So then in January 21, we had start we had the Sydney group going. And then I had a few other um, volunteers come forward. There were about five of us. And I thought, I think we've got enough now that we could form a bit of a leadership group here in Australia and start to look at, okay, let's make it more than a support group. Let's look at what can we really do to start to get this moving, get more support groups, get more volunteers, mm -hmm. increase awareness, get the media involved, you know, all the things that you need to do with a, a charity, really. Right. Um, and when I told the board that I was wanting to do that, or I mentioned it to Daryl, um, in January 21, I was then invited to go onto the board, which I did not see coming at all. And um, right. my wow. my role is 
my role is international development director. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Sounds so, amazing. <laughs> so That's the idea title. being, it's pretty impressive. Hey? Uh, the idea being that whatever we do in Australia to make RFR grow here and the Secular Therapy Project here grow, we can make as a template for other countries to follow. Mm-hmm. Because RFR is already international. We have volunteers across 18 time zones. So we do have volunteers in a lot of other countries where our helpline is across five um, countries now as well. So we already have quite a bit of reach. But what I'm wanting to accomplish is this year we're starting the process of recovering from religion, becoming an Australian not-for-profit so that we can fundraise here and people get taxation um, benefits for that. Um, so that we can do programs like the fall excursion, um, all sorts of different yes. things that recovering from religion does in the US, we want to be able to do here as well. So lots of work ahead of us to do, but um, but we're gaining a bit more recognition with, um, I've got some great relationships with some journalists and um, media. It's so exciting to be part of this. And also, I've been working on um, building relationships with other secular organisations here in Australia, so the Rationalist Society of Australia and the Humanist Humanist Australia and other organisations. And Mm -hmm. um, because they've been incredibly supportive, because they see us as on the front foot, we're actually at the coalface helping people. Mm -hmm. We're hearing these stories firsthand. And so a few of them have been promoting us to they've been lobbying for us with politicians um to help us get some federal funding wow that's the possibilities are enormous the possibilities are enormous as to what we could accomplish here but yeah hopefully the jehovah's get you know ousted the same way that norway is getting (laughs) ousting them i i I saw that recently that they're they're in court they're fighting that in court well they've got squashed so yeah. I know they'll probably appeal it again, but it got squashed. Yeah. Oh, oh you're muted, Jeff. You're muted. <laughs> no, I'm not. Anyway, so <laughs> this is the question I ask to, you know, because, again, me being ex-Catholic, mm-hmm. um, I ask, and I'll ask my parents this too, do you give money to the church? Mm-hmm. Because if you give money, what they're going to do is use that money, goes to the archdiocese, and then when there is a sexual assault case that goes to court, your money is defending the priest. Yep. Are you comfortable with giving money to this organization to use in the defense of child predators? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's that I, I could never give them money. Like, no way. No. Exactly. No, that's no. what I, I promote on my TikTok as well. Here and there, I ran the video. By the way, just a reminder that when you give money to the church, you are yeah. supporting a criminal organization that, that covers up for pedophile priests. And that's you wouldn't just shop at Target if they were doing it. So mm-hmm. why are you shopping there? Exactly. Exactly. And some of the some of the tactics um, the witnesses use, they're becoming a lot more litigious, a lot more like um, Scientology in that way. Oh wow! Um, they like oh, it is it's it's so sickening. So with the the Royal Commission, not one of the witnesses that were put on the stand to testify, not one of them read the testimonies of the victims. Wow! They didn't read any of it. And you know why? 
because both women had left the organization ah. because they were so poorly supported they were so they wow. were so traumatized by the way the religion dealt with their abuse that they could no longer tolerate being part of the organization and so they were considered apostate and so yeah. none of them read their testimonies at all they do everything to discredit victims they will do everything they can to tear them down it is it's so disgusting and abhorrent to me when you when so anyone watching you can see it's still up on the public domain you can google on youtube on yeah whatever the australian royal commission and see the um actual videos Mm-hmm. And if you watch those videos, you can see the attitude and the arrogance of the organization. They yes. were very much in persecution complex mode. You are attacking us. They were not there to show any kind of remorse or please help us improve or we feel for the victims. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking despicable. gross. I hate it. Uh. Yeah. And so a part of me is definitely wanting to use what we do with recovering from religion to advocate for the rights of apostates mm-hmm. and to bring awareness. I, I really do want to bring it to um, the Australian government and to the Charities Commission. Why are we? Yeah. Why are why we are letting these organisations, yeah, right? I, mm-hmm. I just, I do, you are letting them abuse your citizens. Yeah, And then sure. those citizens are so traumatised that they're then having to take resources Yep. To support them through because yep. you're allowing yep. this to happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that's possible. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm hopeful though. So um Hell yeah. like, like you're Norway, doing the Lord's work, Sherry. <laughs> um like Norway in one way. One of the results from the Royal Commission was something called the National Redress Scheme. So the government put in place an independent body so that victims from institutional response could come forward and have their matter arbitrated by an independent party and Mm -hmm. organizations that had been part of the commission were told it's voluntary to join the redress scheme but we strongly recommend you join Mm. the jehovah's witnesses were one of the last holdouts refusing to join surprise surprise of course. And so then it was a showdown between the Australian government and the Jehovah's Witnesses. It got to the point where the government said, I think if my memory serves me, it was either December 2020 or December 21. I think it was 2020. Uh-huh. Um, yes, it was, because it was March 17, 21, when they, that was the final deadline. The government rewrote the legislation for the redress scheme and put in it that if you were an organisation investigated by the commission and you refused to join the scheme, they would take away the charity status. They still said it's voluntary to join, right? You can choose not to, but there's a consequence. You're not going to get tax exemption if you hold this. Exactly. Holy shit. The last day, March 17, was when they had to act and 11am they do a press release. They don't even tell the government that they're going to join. They do a press release and say, oh, we didn't realise that it was actually law. And since we're law-abiding citizens, uh, we will participate in the scheme. Not a mention about wanting what's best for the victims. In fact, there was no mention of the victims at all whatsoever in that statement. And they are yet to issue an apology. So part of the scheme was the... The redress scheme would determine 
as they assessed each case, they would determine compensation, the amount of money that each victim would be given. Mm-hmm. And the organisation had no recourse, could not defend that or appeal that. That was the decision of the scheme. Too bad, too sad, you have to do it. And they had to issue an apology. Mm-hmm. So thus far, since they've joined the scheme, they have paid out money, but they have not issued one single apology. <laughs> In fact, one of the victims reached out to me and told me, she called me and said that she'd received a call from headquarters saying, oh, so we've got to write this apology for you. What would you like us to say? Oh, no. And she said to them, kind of defeats the purpose if I have to write my own apology. Dude, that's insane. Oh, well, Sherry, I say thank you for joining us today. Um, You are fighting the good fight. You are doing amazing work in your community that actually has impact on people. And yeah, thank you. Holy shit. (laughs) Sorry, I got lots to say. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) There's so much to talk about on this subject, though, isn't there? There's just so many aspects to it. Thank you so uh, much for having me on. I've really enjoyed You're amazing. With you. you really are amazing. Uh, and again, we always give a shout out to Recovering from Religion on this show, on every episode. So one more time, recoveringfromreligion.org. They also have a hotline. And this is an actual number that you can call if you want to speak with somebody, uh, peer support, you know, uh, person. Uh, 1-84-I-DOUBT-IT. 1-84-I-DOUBT-IT. That is their phone number. Uh, volunteers 24-7. Yep. Come along to a support group. Check out the website. There's Uh heaps of resources, lots of ways you can reach out to us. And we're just here to be a listening ear and help out. Yes. Uh, And of course, the Secular Therapy Project, which is uh, part of the organization as well. But this is more of a registry of actual uh, therapists who are not associated with any sort of faith, religion, organization. So there we go. And where can people find you, Jeff? Just to be clear, too, it's not an organization of people that hate religion or or that are anti-religious. It's just people that are not going to have an agenda when you go to therapy. So you could be somebody that doubts your faith. They're Mm -hmm. not going to try and talk you out of it. You know, like they're going to give you resources to discover that for yourself and Mm -hmm. and make a decision. But, yeah, you can find me on the Internet. (laughs) Just search Jeff. Yeah, literally search Jeff. I took a oh, I took a Lyft drive the other day, and the Lyft driver knew who I was. No, (laughs) and you're stuck in the car. You're stuck in the car. She knows where I live because she picked me up from my house. Oh fuck! Yeah, (laughs) but she was a she was an ally. Okay, good. good. (laughs) Oh, that would have been so awkward. Oh. Awesome. Well, I want to say uh, a volunteer for the uh, a few of the museums here in Atlanta for Black History stuff. So that's awesome. And thank you, Jeff, for for helping. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, really appreciate you. And I want to remind our listeners and our viewers that we have a merch store. The link is in the description. If you know, you know, go get some merch. (laughs) Uh, Also, you know. Please don't forget to subscribe to this shitty channel and smash <laughs> that like button and hit the notification bell so you don't miss another sleep fest. <laughs> well, you know, this is a, a shit show. It so is a shit show. It's just a fucking shit show. Uh, but it's our shit show. 
<laughs> Without Epic. Mel here, I think this went a lot smoother. <laughs> Boom. I can already hear. Uh, she'll listen to this. Oh, she's going to love it. Where Where is AA next year? Philadelphia? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I should well, be able to make that one. Yeah. We'll, make it this year. We'll definitely see you there. Uh, and also, episodes come out on Mondays, as always. They're still available in the audio-only format, if you prefer that. Uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of all of the casts. And follow them on Twitter. Uh, what is it? Baffin Mel 666 yes. uh -huh. on Twitter or Mel Trefitty or Baffle Metal 666. Yes. And if you like what we do and you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash burning eden 666. And we would like to thank our supporters on Patreon. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Atheist Chico. Lynn D, Evelyn B, Will H, and Lisette M. And of course, we also have. Well, remember too to thank the supporters on Anchor. They are a big, big part of this. Robin M and William N. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What's funny? What's with the mic over here on your face? <laughs> I want people to hear me well. <laughs> Damn it. I All right. Well, like, that guy's better. <laughs> I All right, I we'll probably go live tonight just so. Okay. <laughs> well, Sherry, hopefully we didn't waste your time too much. But <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. We really love you. And it was such a pleasure meeting you in person. And, and we got some good tips. Yeah. Also, we gotta work on our product that we that I suggested oh, no. to you. <laughs> There's a new product called Vagemite for your land down under. Uh from the land down under. <laughs> from the land down under for your land down under. Is it like some sort of armor? Just like what? It's lube. It's lube. Oh, uh, that Vagemite. Vagemite inspired. <laughs> Anywho, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much. Uh, and hello to the people in Australia. And... Thank you, Jeff, again. Big hugs to everybody. And that is what the Lord wants. Amen. Amen. <laughs>